0: I have to say that I've seen fear, indifference, and racism uh, like I've never seen before in the last few months. Some of those that, uh, who have shown me a lot of fear or maybe even shown me a little bit of racism or maybe even shown me indifference uh, have been people who claim to be Christians.
1: Welcome, once again, to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. As you can see behind me, I'm in a different location than I usually film in. I'm traveling right now. You'll have to forgive me. I don't have my equipment, my my audio and video stuff, so uh, you have my little uh, pixelated webcam image here and my internal microphone on my laptop. But uh, we do have some important things to talk about. So. Um, so it'll only be this episode and maybe one other episode that I'll do this way and then I'll, I, I should be back with my normal equipment. Uh, but uh, you know we're gonna talk about Liberty University. That's a question that keeps coming up, uh, especially lately since Jerry Falwell Jr. has uh, left the school. Um, are they going woke? Are they going social justice? It's the largest Christian university. What does this mean? I mean, they've been uh, a force you know, for conservative politics on some level uh, I would quibble a little bit with that analysis just because Jerry Falwell Jr., I think he was a Republican. He supported Republican politicians. Was he always conservative? Now I can give you examples of where he wasn't, but um, but yes, he, he definitely supported the Republican Party. And uh, and now that he's gone, what does this mean for the university? Uh, there's some been some developments that seem to indicate a change uh, on some level uh, in regard to the political direction, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, all that to say, uh, I, I'm just thankful for all of you who continue to, to watch and support. Uh, I'm traveling right now because, uh, because of you, honestly, uh, because I, I do care about the church. I care about uh, all those who contact me and um, have, have a lot of questions, have um, sometimes heartbreaking stories. And, um, and I'm, I'm with the enemies within the church guys this week. We're doing some research. We're doing some Uh, Filming. I'm trying to assist where I can because we want to explain what's happening in the church. We want to interpret it. So many people out there see what's happening and they don't know how to make sense of it. And so we're trying to help with that. And, um, and so, uh, I'm going to give you a little update on that real quick. Uh, I had a conversation with the director a few weeks ago and I encouraged him, you know, we need to come out with something, something before the election because a lot of people, uh, you know they're listening to their pastors, uh, their denominations, associations, etc., and they need to know that there's possibility of compromise. They need to be uh, discerning Christians when they uh, even listen to the leaders that they've trusted for years, because there are forces in the church, in uh, evangelical institutions, uh, that are um, honestly deceiving spirits, in my opinion. They're they're. Um, uh, Attempting to get evangelicals to think in uh, anti-biblical ethical ways, and um, and so we need to be ready for it. We need to talk about it. I think before the election, because uh, it's not just about the presidency. There's a lot of other elections. There's local elections. There's uh, state elections, and people need to be thinking biblically about it. And um, uh, so, so we're gonna. What's gonna happen is. Because COVID-19 delayed travel because of travel restrictions for the project doing the filming in Europe, they needed to do. Uh, they're going to do that next year. Come out with an Enemies Within the Church Part Two, which is more global, uh, and probably focused more on solutions. Um, I know there will be some of that in this film, uh, but they're they're going to come out with an Enemies Within the Church Part One before the election this year, and that's going to be. Uh, Really, the the Marxist infiltration in America, and I I sat down, and I looked at some documents uh, that I've never seen before. They haven't seen the light of day, as far as I can tell, and um, they're they're pretty. they let's just say there's some revelations coming out in the film. Uh, some things you might have suspected, but now there's solid proof for them. So uh, so that's happening, and um and and that's all exciting. Uh, the you know, hopefully that that's going to be uh, something that helps you make sense of what's happening around you in your church and your denomination um, something else to help you is a book that i wrote called social justice goes to church the new left and modern american evangelicalism coming out october 6th you can pre-order on amazon now you should probably order two of them at least i mean really you should order three but at least two you can get one for yourself get one for your pastor and then the theology or history nerd in your life uh, it is a history. It is a historical um, treatment and analysis. Uh, the the left loves to control things through analysis. They they uh, define the terms. They um, study the issue. They create you know a million academic documents about a given topic uh, and try to bury conservatives because they're they're well funded. They have the the numbers as far as uh, uh, people that. Um, are, are capable of, of writing something academic and uh, they have the, the money to do it with, really. And so you'll see like treatments of the religious right coming out almost every year, uh, critical treatments uh, against the religious right. There's really nothing analyzing the religious left. Uh, there's been, I mean, there, there's two books I can talk about in recent years that have been sort of going in that direction but they're very they're, they're not um, they're praising the religious left they're written from people that agree with the religious left uh, which is fine you know yeah they're, they're, i found some very beneficial information in some of that um but the, nothing that really puts them under the microscope and analyzes them critically and so uh, i i've attempted to do that and i've attempted to do it with some sources that uh, you probably aren't familiar with haven't seen we're starting in the early or the late 1960s, progressing through the modern period and showing all the connections. And if you want to know the apologetic value of this, this is what it is. And I've said this before on this podcast, but Marxists uh, who don't think they're Marxists are very sensitive when you call them Marxists. And one of the reasons for that is because they didn't learn their Marxism from Karl Marx. Uh, they're downstream from Karl Marx. It's, it's not about Karl Marx. It's about a utopian scheme, ripping down hierarchies, uh, redistribution of power and privilege and money and etc. Whatever else you can uh, redistribute uh, for an egalitarian uh, utopia of some kind, some kind of an egalitarian achievement, and um, and of course Karl Marx. Uh, you know they, they stem out of Karl Marx, but. Most of the people today, like take your uh, your Russell Moore, for instance. He's not going to Karl Marx and saying, oh, I like Karl Marx. He's going to someone who went to someone who went to someone who went to Marx. There's there's a trajectory. There's an ancestry to this. And so um, here's the apologetic value. If Someone says, well, it's not it's not Marxism. Stop calling the social justice evangelicals Marxists. You can hand him this book and say, well, these are the roots. And it's all documented. So uh, that's really what I want to convey, and, and I hope it, it helps you uh even if it's for that reason alone um let's get to the topic at hand here let's talk about what's going on at liberty university because it is important uh this is um th- this is a a topic that you know i mean if liberty university goes woke what what is there in the evangelical world that's left um i mean is it all gonna be john macarthur and you know grace community church uh master's seminary, master's college, I mean, um, and, and I wouldn't even say those are bastions at all of religious rights, uh, anything, they, but they're, they're not crazy social justice, right? And, and uh, that, that list of institutions that aren't crazy social justice is just getting more narrow and more narrow. So, um, some things to keep in mind as we go through this. Uh, number one, Liberty University is very big, okay? I'll probably reiterate that at the end. Liberty University is very, very big. So you can go to one department and it can be totally different in another department. It's like a whole other world, a whole, whole other school. And so when people go to Liberty, I often ask, well, what are you studying? Why, why are you going to Liberty? And, um, and, and I can evaluate sometimes whether it's a good choice to go to Liberty based on that because some programs are better than others. Now, uh, that, that provides some encouragement, just because if, if one area is going social justice or being compromised, it doesn't mean that it's all being compromised, all right? And it does take time, uh, to, you have to replace professors. It's not like a Southeastern where it's so small uh, that the administration can really keep tabs on everything very well, and um, there's, there's more of a centralized control because of that, and there's more uh, accountability, and more things stick out more, uh, it's uh, you know the percentage of the professors that are on the social justice track can dominate um, more easier with lower numbers because it's a smaller school right Liberty is huge it's a city in, in and of itself right so keep that in mind first um, just because one department or one area goes social justice doesn't mean that if, if you're if you're thinking of sending your son or your daughter to Liberty doesn't mean in that department you're sending them to it's going to be totally compromised but what you should expect is at a school that size you're going to have all sorts of opinions you're going yeah you're, you're social justice warriors at liberty there there have been <laughs> um but it doesn't mean that everyone's like that there it's big enough you're going to find people that agree with you you're going to find camaraderie somewhere uh, the other thing to realize is that they're in a very uh transitional stage in a very um hmm, how do you put this unstable and un- instability I, I would say There's a lot of that. I mean, everyone has that because of COVID in a way, uh, but it it feels weird on campus. It's probably about 50 percent capacity. And um, it's just different. They don't have all the activities necessarily that they've they've had. Uh, They've they've had to change. It's just a different campus in many ways. But I think the Jerry Falwell Jr. situation looms heavy. And and I'll, I'll tell you the reason it looms heavy. It's not because of Jerry Falwell Jr. in every way, it's because of the way that this whole thing went down. The way the situation developed, it was very embarrassing, not just for Jerry Falwell, but for certain individuals at the school and really the school in general. Why wasn't this taken care of within the school? And you say, well, this wasn't known. Well, the the problem is there's all sorts of rumors on campus going around. Students know about this, especially the second to fourth year students. They know that and they've known for a long time about these rumors uh, and f- financial issues, um, substance issues, um, the, the, the pool boy story. All, all, these things have been kind of, they, they, you hear them here and there if you're a student there. And um, sometimes professors, sometimes people in the administration will hint at things they, they suspect or they know something, but um, it's not, you know, they, they can't fully disclose all of it. Well, now that this is all just, the laundry's being aired, you know, outside for everyone to see, people are wondering, well, if, if you knew something, why didn't you do something about it? And, and, and this has been one of my, uh, to, to add my own commentary to it, one of, one of my complaints or my, um, the things that concerns me uh, about just Christianity in general, but culture uh, also to, to take a more broad view, I guess, where are the men? I just don't see it. I don't see men with spines and chests. Uh, most of them, even at the institution I came from, South, before Liberty, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, they're very weak. The ones who disagree with what's going on, they're not gonna raise a stink about it. Their job depends on it. And some of them think that's the honorable thing to do. It's just to, to do their job and you know, not, not to say anything but when good men do nothing this is kind of what happens and there is a sense among many students that people did know um people that there were individuals at the school probably not the board because the board flies in for what once a year and they're there two days and they fly out the current uh president acting president jerry prevos from alaska he doesn't know about liberty university necessarily intimately aware um He's he's coming in from somewhere else, so it's not him. It's not the board. It's people who have been there. Uh, it's David Nasser. It's people like him, and I think David Nasser is aware of it. And I'll show you a clip uh, to demonstrate that. But um, D- David Nasser, just for those who don't know, he, he basically owns the chapel now. He runs chapel, and he and it seems almost like he's using it. Uh, it. And things that are things are happening now at Liberty University that probably would not have happened under Jerry Falwell. But, here's another thing to keep in mind, because there's such a disgust over what Jerry Falwell Jr. uh, has done, there's kind of a wholesale rejection of him. There's a distancing and there's an attempt to just cast overboard anything affiliated with him, and that includes his reputation as a conservative on the political spectrum. Now, he was, like I said, he's more of a Republican. Uh, he definitely a Republican. I would quibble with whether he was was he really conservative in every way, not not consistently, but he supported the Republican Party. And so, um, uh, and, and and you know, there are some things that maybe merit some criticism. He turned their their convocations, which were more like chapel services, into more political events. That, that was really that's part of his legacy. But um, but he did be probably not not out of uh, probably an intimate awareness with the woke movement, but probably just because he liked the Republican Party, it kind of kept the woke movement at bay to some extent. Well, that check is gone, and so we're seeing the effects of that now. So let's talk about it. Let's see. What, what, is, what, what am I talking about? What kind of effects? Well, here's um, an email that went out to the nursing school at Liberty University, and it's to, to the freshmen coming into the program. It's from the dean. Uh, Shanna Akers, and she invites the students to a book club uh, that's held uh, or hosted by Shannon Carroll, who's administrative assistant. The book club is called The Heart of Racial Justice. Now, Capstone Report put out some information about this this morning and showed some of the troubling uh, things from the book. It's your standard social justice fair, uh, but you know, it's Christianized social justice. Well, I want to show you just one thing. Here's one of the authors, Brenda Salter McNeil, right? I didn't have to look very far at all. I didn't even look into Rick Richardson, the other author. Uh, you can see The Forge by John Perkins. I've been doing a lot of research on him today. Some of his radical comments from the 70s, his three R's, uh, relocation, reconciliation, and redistribution. Uh, that redistribution is used by Tim Keller uh, in Generous Justice. Uh, that was John Perkins' idea. And uh, the crew was it Crew Urban Project Los Angeles he uses the three R's as well. but. Um, so, so, he, so you know, if he's writing the, the intro, the forward to this book, you know, it's probably going to be on the social justice side. Uh, Brenda Salter McNeil, though, I mean, look at some of her tweets here, you know, tweets about white privilege. Uh, she's got tweets about intersectionality from Sojourners, even. She, she posts something about intersectionality, reconciliation, colonialism, the white savior complex from Jim Wallace's organization. Right. There's your, uh, your 1970s progressive evangelical um st- hashtag white fragility on a huffington post piece uh, uh intersectionality flowcharts um she's got uh, she, you know talks about that uh quite a bit talks about uh, obama in a very partisan way loves obama she's gonna miss him uh, can't believe all the racial stress that he had to endure as president uh and then you know with donald trump you look up what she says about trump it's hypocrisy and immoral behavior and Uh, You know, he disparaged Elijah Cummings district so terrible, Trump's the villain, Obama's the the good guy. Now, you might think, well, hold on a minute, you know, what what about, you know, all the (laughs) problems with Obama? Uh, Abortion being maybe the top of that list, because, you know, that's murder, Well, look at what she says about abortion. She says, history teaches the net impact of culture wars, not the end of abortion. It has been the reversal of civil rights protections. Uh, The Brett Kavanaugh nomination follows suit. People of color and minorities are at risk. And hashtag, hit pause on culture wars. Now, this is being taught now at, uh, being taught not in an official capacity, but at a study that's for all the new nursing students. It's being taught at the university founded by Mr. Culture Wars himself, Jerry Falwell Sr. I mean, this is the guy that started the religious right, essentially. And now they're, they're using a book by someone who wants to put Put, hit pause on the culture wars, and why? well they didn't end abortion. You know, we need to oppose Brett Kavanaugh because it's been the reversal of civil rights protections. So so she's attributing the culture wars to the reversal of civil rights protections. Now, where's she getting her information? The link she puts here is the Freedom Road Socialists. It's a communist front group. Um, th- this woman is radical. <laughs> she's she's a radical. She's She's certainly a progressive. There's no doubt about that. And, and this is the author of the book. And so there's parents who are concerned about this, know, their kids are coming to Liberty. Well, what's this? They want to study, they want to be a nurse. Why, why in the world would they have to go through any of this? This has nothing to do with that. You know, they would expect a, it's a Christian university. Why not a Bible study? But things are changing um, on some level. Now I'm gonna provide some encouragement for you, but look, things are changing on some level. And this is just general culture-wide. You're gonna to have to prepare your kids for this. Have to do the have some hard conversations as a parent, and it's going to be tough. Um, September eighth, they had uh, they, the well, someone had, I guess. These uh, Twitter handles, students at Liberty. That's what's provided here as contact info. They they did a Black Lives Matter event. And there, there's the black fist, the Black Panther fist. You, you think any of these students know the origin of that symbol? <laughs> any anyway, this revolutionary symbol. Anyway, um, so justice for us and uh and and they're um gonna do a black lives matter protest and and of course you know th- this is not affiliated with the organization itself uh that was made clear by the liberty university uh newspaper but it, it's, it's 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 from a student initiative called justice for us uh but of course this is part of the movement they're using the symbols they're using the language um Another thing that happened, this is a workshop, an unconscious bias workshop. Now, I don't really know what happened here, but I know that there were many parents who were very concerned. Uh, It says, are you dissatisfied with your misperceptions? Maybe the status quo. Develop a deep awareness of various unconscious biases and how they influence service and relationships. Unconscious biases will be addressed from the levels of self-awareness, peer awareness, and community awareness. Now, it doesn't give you a lot of information. What does that mean? Well, oftentimes we hear this language. It's uh, you know, your, your cultural things. It, it could even be, you know, the kind of music you listen to, or the way you view certain things, or the way you talk, or, you know, there's some kind of hidden racism deep within you, or sexism, or homophobia, or bigotry of some kind, and, um, and, and you need something like this to draw it out, you know, to, to show you that, oh, you were really a bigot. Now, look, do people have things they do out of habit that are insensitive? Yeah, you know, so th- there may be some legitimacy to that. I don't really know, I'd, but it's, I haven't seen anything like this before. Nothing like this has been brought to my attention. This looks to be some, like something new. Now, maybe, maybe it might not be new. Maybe it's just being um, maybe people are calling attention to it now just because of the whole situation uh, with 2020 and how crazy it's gotten, and people are now noticing. Hey, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like those sensitivity trainings that you know work. What you know, my job that I had to go through, and it was totally woke. You know, could be. I don't know. Um, speculation, uh, really to, to say what this was all about, but, uh, but it's definitely something worth looking into if, if anyone had the access to, to that stuff. Um, but here, here's some other things that, that aren't speculation. These are, these are things that, these are just happening in real time. Uh, you have David Nasser hosting, was it last week, I think, or a week and a half ago, Andy Stanley, who just bashed John MacArthur for meeting, says, hey, yeah, the New Testament doesn't command us to meet. We don't have to meet not in the bible really uh and david nasser does not correct him and then one thing i'll note you know david nasser is someone i haven't listened to a lot but i, I did a little bit today and my goodness um just i, I don't i mean i i don't know the man so him the benefit of the doubt his heart is hopefully for the students and wants to serve the lord but man he, he says some really just sloppy things uh, you know, talking about things like you know, if you're hurting, God's hurting. If well, that where what scripture is that from? Uh, you know, um, very very human centric, <laughs> anthropocentric. Um, he he said he said something in one of the the things I was listening to about how you know all God's children, and it wasn't talking about Christians. It was talking about just different ethnicities and just you know, is it wrong? It's, it's just not clear. It's not concise. It's just, I'm not sure exactly how he got to where he is leading uh, the chapel services for the whole university, but um, but he is, and, and he has, I mean, he can pretty much do what he wants at this point. Uh, here is a, uh, a screenshot from, or it's uh, some pictures from a conversation that happened on the 9th, and it's students, who we were two, two uh, black students talking to him about basically the black experience and what it's like to be black at Liberty University and those kinds of things. Well, this is this is standpoint epistemology. You don't even have to hear what they're saying to know that because the, the expertise uh, is not that they've studied an issue uh, and uh, it, it's, it's not about objective truth or it's not about they have insights into the Bible about this. Uh, it's 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 completely based on this notion that because they have a certain skin color, they have a certain level of oppression, they have a knowledge that others uh, do not have access to. And so they're the experts by, and and those who, uh, and the ones that should be teaching about this, others should be listening if they're not uh, of that same ethnic makeup. And we've seen this all over the place. I've pointed it out. Churches are doing this all over the place. If you see this happening at your church, you need to talk to your pastor, you need to ask him, well, what about the word of God? Why, why not? Is the word of God sufficient? Someone who just knows about the word of God, can, can they teach it? Or, you know, why do we have to have these, these diverse perspectives, quote unquote? What, what is it that they know? What knowledge do they have access to? And if your pastor goes down the road of, well, A, they have experience and stuff. Well, does experience uh, give you special um, insights into truth that others don't have? Uh, and specifically, experience of oppression Does that give you a moral authority to speak about what is right and wrong because of an experience? And and these are good questions to ask, to to probe, to find out, do you believe truth is objective or do you believe that there are different uh, epistemic islands, people that because of their level of oppression or because of the social group they belong to, they have special access to truth, which uh, Bodhi Bakken calls ethnic Gnosticism. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you some clips from that. Actually, let's do that right now. I'm going to play you uh, some clips and uh, see what you think.
0: This summer, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, we as a nation found ourselves obviously heartbroken and outraged by what we witnessed in the horrific, heartbreaking deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, George Floyd, Officer David Dorn, uh, Breonna Taylor, and many others. This was certainly not The first time that we'd seen an african-american killed way too young way too early we are the people of god if we don't step in against equality then who's going to do that i have to say that i've seen fear indifference and racism uh, like i've never seen before in the last few months i also by the way have seen courageous uh outspoken people like i've never seen before as well some of those that, uh, who have shown me a lot of fear or maybe even shown me a little bit of racism or maybe even shown me indifference uh, have been people who claim to be Christians. We're going to have to extend a lot of grace and patience to each other. We're going to have to hear uh, from outside voices this semester that maybe come in for convo or lectures and have a lot of patience because some of them are going to say things that we just simply don't agree with. So the organization I'm not gonna align with personally, but that declaration, Black Lives Matter, that statement is certainly true. And if it's important that it's said to someone who as an African American, as an American, was for years and years not allowed to vote for years and years not allowed to have property in their name because of the color of their skin for years and years not given uh, afforded to them education and, and, and other things that were just given to other people that were a different color surely if that's important to someone then i have to find a way to to communicate it and if that statement is important for my brother or my sister i will walk into that statement with them what advice would you give, uh, you know, Diallo, like maybe an incoming uh, African-American student yeah. who might be one of five or six on his hall or her hall, mm-hmm. or what advice also then would you give to maybe a non-African-American student who's coming in and is curious mm-hmm. and interested in being a part of the solution or or maybe like different levels of life. What, what are some pieces of advice you'd give your classmates?
2: Yeah, I would say for incoming African-Americans, I feel like this is the first year where I can really say that there's change that's happening, you know, as in clubs, as in organizations, as in OSD. Like, we're actually coming to the table and we're finding solutions and we're trying to make it us a better place and support. And so I would tell them that don't come in here, you know, with the stereotypes that Liberty might have or like what you might see on a post. Come in here and realize that there are clubs here for you, there are faculty that are here for you. Um, and not saying that there won't be an experience that might happen, but there will be, instead of you and your roommate going back and forth, and it's just, you guys are at odds, there will be leadership that will be there to reconcile that conversation and bring restoration with it. And there's also people that you can go to and say, hey, this is a case that I'm dealing with, like Office of Equity and Inclusion, and say, this is what I'm dealing with, what should I do? and which, it's not, is
0: a, which is a young office.
2: Yes, it's two years old. Yeah. yeah, and so I just think, just coming in with that mindset of that there's support for me here makes it comfortable because anywhere you go, you're not going to avoid racism, um, but it's just how it's handled. And so Liberty does a really good job of handling it, and I've been seeing how like the steps that we've been going to really handle it better. Yeah, I would say with the white students and non-black students. Um, just come here with an open mind and listen. Mm-hmm. I think the most frustrating part being on my freshman year was just people would reject like, my testimony, and it just kind of made me say... What do, you mean by, what do you mean by reject? So if I said this happened to me, if I said, um, yeah, like I've been stereotyped and profiled. You're telling your story. Yeah, yeah, telling my story, and they say, well, I don't see that, so I don't believe it. Yeah. And it's, to me, I feel like when it comes to race, that's something that we do a lot, and even with like sex trafficking, I would never go up to a sex trafficking survivor and say, I don't see it happening, so I don't believe your story's right. Mm-hmm. You know, you come in come in listening and saying like, I don't see that, but like, what can I learn from this experience? And even if you're at odds with that story, like reconcile and pray and say like, Lord, like help me understand, help me to discern what's happening right now. And so I think the biggest thing is just to listen, just to understand, um, don't come in there trying to respond, like really just discern and like come with an open view college is all about learning different cultures and so this is the opportunity where we can do it so come on your halls and instead of being defensive from where you come from just listen to what the person's saying
1: well we've responded to many of these things extensively in other videos so i'm not going to go over all of it but uh, it's the same basic narrative right uh there's racism and injustice is part of the fabric of America. Uh, the Black Lives Matter slogan is good, but the organization isn't. We need to listen, which means there's a sense, there's almost a sense of moral superiority if you if you listen because you're showing empathy and and, and in reality, this isn't as complex and intricate as David Nasser wants to make it. It's actually fairly simple. There's a Marxist revolution going on. Uh, there's a lot of Marxist front groups that are funding this. Uh, there's um, there's an effort to destabilize the uh, civilization itself rip down hierarchies we, we have violence going on in places like Chicago Kenosha Minneapolis Portland over the weekend we saw it in uh, Syracuse and there's many other cities um, many other people have died than the ones he mentioned and uh, but but it's interesting he, he mentions David Dorn I don't know if that's a safety measure or not to say hey it's not we're not just mentioning um, the those who have died from uh, you know quote-unquote police brutality but the language he uses is all uh, it's injustice and racism that caused this so it's it doesn't fit the David Dorn narrative it's uh, the, the narrative that he's tapping into is the same narrative CNN is tapping into that this these isolated events are the result of systemic injustice and Um, and without studying the whole event and knowing exactly what happened and what led to these altercations uh, it's just using assumptions uh, to build a narrative a a link in a chain that uh, is supposed to prove somehow that there's systemic racism going on and that's the pretext for all this violence and i've gone through the numbers with you it's just simply not true that it's it's a lie the whole thing is a lie from the beginning um now uh, are there other are things, other barriers barriers in this country that existed for black people in the past? Not just black people, but all sorts of immigrant groups and uh, not just even immigrant groups. So, various uh, groups of Native American, Native American tribes, et cetera, that were here. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, it doesn't mean that everything in the New Left critique is true about it. Sometimes it's exaggerated. Sometimes things are left out that shouldn't be. But yeah, there were barriers. Absolutely. Are those barriers still in effect? Um, no, not really. Uh, you you either show the law or you show the people specifically that are promoting those barriers and you solve the problem but that's not what they want to do they want to they want to accuse an invisible privilege of some kind an invisible systemic injustice of some kind as being present in these institutions and it's just so bad you you just gotta rip down the hierarchies I mean that's uh, they're they're just beyond redemption Uh, and and, and, and David Nassar, uh, he should know better. He really should. Uh, but he's promoting the same, uh, unfortunately, the same, the same talking points, the same New Left critique of America, like, as if you know, we're in 1860 or 1960, not 2020. And uh, that you know, this is just, it's a continuation on, it's an insinuation that we're just continuing on this, these same kinds of injustices. And that's what led to the deaths of these individuals. And we're, so so we're gonna get behind the, organi- the the slogan of Black Lives Matter. But so, so we're getting behind the movement to some extent, but not the organization, which I pointed out before, this is just denying authorial intent. The organization is the one that came up with the slogan and the movement. And there's a reason, we should probably start asking the question, why is it that you go to their website and find all these objectionable things? Could it be that perhaps the same logic they're using when it comes to quote-unquote race, they're also applying to the family and these other uh, these other hierarchies they want to rip down. They want a village model instead of a family model. Could it be that their thinking is actually more consistent than the Christians who want to cherry pick from them? Um, and of course, we need to listen. We need to listen. And and it, that that comes back to, in, in some ways, the standpoint of epistemology. If you uh, don't have the oppression, if you're white, if you don't have the experience uh then then you you have nothing to say nothing to contribute uh you're outside looking in because uh you cannot possibly uh empathize but then we're called to empathize because listening is empathizing so um it's it's full of contradictions it's full of problems and david nasser is now promoting this to the uh the, the folks at liberty university the students there now um I, I want to, to, to start giving you some hope at this point, because you might think, wow, things aren't going too well at Liberty University. Here's some things that I want you to consider. The Falkirk Institute is at Liberty University. It is a more of a politically right, uh, I guess, think tank, organization. It, it's new, I, don't, I think it's still sort of developing into whatever it's gonna be, but, um, but it hasn't had a chance to even do much. I mean, what has what the Falkirk Center done or produced? you probably can't think of anything if you even know who the Falkirk Center is. So it's very new. And uh, politically conservative, I, I even know uh, of some of the people that are there that, that I think are, are pretty good. And uh, it's um, it, it's now under attack, essentially. And I'll, I'll show you one example of that. Karen Swallow Pryor, uh, who used to be a, a professor there, she's at Southeastern now, which fits her much better. <laughs> but she reposts this message from the Falkirk Center, which is essentially just, it's just a student basically saying we should engage culture. I mean, which was the title of Karen Swallow Pryor's last book. (laughs) He's not saying anything even politically really right in that. Just, uh, it's pretty benign. It's interesting she picked that because you probably can't pick anything. You can't point to anything at Falkirk. But listen to what she says. Listen to how disgusting this is. In Grace and Love, okay, so this is, she's covering herself. I, my motives are grace and love. I beg Liberty to defund and close Falkirk Center so as not to keep more shame on the name of Christ. I beg you. So she's very serious, begging twice. And to defund and close Falkirk Center? Why? There's no reason here. Other than because it'll bring shame on the name of Christ. That, that is disgusting. You have no, no reason to say that it'll just bring shame on the name of christ you're just going to tweet that out there why would it bring shame on the name of christ um but she says actually more shame more shame right so she's tapping into something that's already happened the shame that jerry Fowell jr brought jerry Fowell jr is not a pastor it was known to people i've explained this in another podcast it was known to the people that were more in the know at liberty university that yeah he probably wasn't a christian i i was hearing that long time before any of these allegations were authenticated, even though the allegations themselves were even uh, rumors that were going around. But um, Jerry Falwell Jr. uh, was because of the reputation of his father and because he did lead the largest Christian university. um, It did bring shame on the name of Christ. There's no doubt about that. But she's trying to connect that with uh, the, the Falkirk Center somehow. Well, how, how, how is that? Did the Falkirk Center uh, do, do some of the same actions that Jerry Falwell was doing? No, there's no evidence for that. So why is she saying this? Is it that being politically conservative is just as bad as substance abuse and, uh, you know, having sexual relationship with someone outside of the bonds of wedlock and uh, financial issues? and I mean, really? Because we're, we're dealing with different weights and measures if that's the case. Uh, I like to go back to what the Lord actually says is wrong and is sinful, and, and Karen Swallow Prior is not doing it here. But this is a rallying cry. This is this is politics, guys. So she's not tweeting this um, because she's uh, uh, just felt like it on a whim. Now there, there's strategy to this and uh, everything that's going on. So um, so pay attention to that. Now um, the the hope in that because that doesn't sound very hopeful is. Falkirk Center is actually still there. Okay? And the board, uh, these are guys who fly in for two days a year. They're not, you know, they they are not in 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 uh, in the know about, I think, all of the things that are happening at the university. And I haven't heard anything about Falkirk being in trouble. So pray for them. Um, if you want to see uh, you know, political conservatism and uh, you know, the really Christianity the foundation for the worldview that gave us political conservatism if you want to see that still exist in a Christian institution then pray for the Falkirk Center but but they are still there so it's not like all of Liberty is, is going this direction uh, we, we have we have a few people we have a few students right this we have a, a the nursing department is doing this study right that, that's that's what we have um, so I I wouldn't write off the entire school right away and say that's, you know, if you start hearing from the, you know, the president, the new president of the school starts defending all these things, well, then, then you're gonna, that's a different story, uh, you know, if you start seeing these in other departments, if you start, if Falkirk Center is in fact uh, defunded and closed, well, well, then you know that there's something going on, but those things haven't all happened yet, but you can guarantee, I can guarantee you, the the left. And Christianity is making moves towards those things and they are not wasting any time doing it and neither should we. neither should we. If you're a parent and you have a student there, if you're a student who's at Liberty University, then then get involved with a group on social media or start one yourself um, to start combating these things. start keeping track of this stuff. Uh, you know make your voice heard, file complaints send emails to the administration uh, if you have a problem with something I mean you know really you know, become the watchdog here uh, they're gonna listen to that they, they want they want to make sure that it's a it's a place that parents want to send their kids and so it's it's up to you guys I know you don't always want to hear that you know I, I can't do all that for you but but that is something that that you can do and um, and I'm doing my part by, by just showing you trying to show you uh, what's going on now um, So something else I wanna show you, and this kind of, in my mind, brings some encouragement. Uh, Watch this clip from, I believe this was a chapel message from like two days ago or so, but this is David Nasser. Watch this clip, it's a little lengthy, but I think it's very telling.
0: If there are two things that I look back on that I would, if I could do again, right off the bat, like looking and evaluating my heart, I would go back on, um, and I'll just be honest, is um, when, a year, about a little bit over a year ago, uh, when Chief Hinckley, there was an article that came out about, a, about an email about Chief Hinckley, and he was called something that was just rude. When that happened, um, I went to the person who had made that claim, you know, who, 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 like that, that email had been leaked, who'd, who'd called Chief Hinckley something rude, and I said, I feel like that was a public shaming, and the right thing to do is to have a public apology. He's owed that. And that person said, I've already talked to him one-on-one. I'm not going to do the public apology. And I went to chief, and I said, I-, I want you to know that my daughter's coming here next year, and I trust you as our chief of police. You're awesome. You're a godly man. I trust you. I'm sorry that was, that was, that's out there for everybody to read about. And um, he said, man, thank you. That means a lot to me. And, um, and I told him, I said, I've confronted that person who says, said this about you and, and, and I asked him to do it and they said they've already come to you. He said, they did come to me. I look back on that and I should have used my voice to stand in front of the student body and I should have like admonished him and I should have been outspoken about that. The other one was this summer when three of my African-American um, staff members that work with us in OSD walked out of the university as employees, um, I should have um, publicly stood with them louder. And I look back on that, and I have a regret on that, and um, I'm planning on having meetings with those, student, those those former employees so that I can apologize to them firsthand. But I'm sure there might be more as I look back, but I think a lot of times people saw something and they were like, well, why didn't David say something? And it was like, we did. And I'll just, I'll just say this to you. Um, Most of the time when we went to someone or someone came to me, we found resolve. A lot of times it was like, hey, and then that didn't happen again or something got fixed. A lot of times that person did move to to like accountable action, um, including my former boss, you know. Uh, our former president here. I can't tell you how often I would go to him and have a very practical conversation about something that I felt like was not the best play or was, was not the, the right thing to say. And he just, he, he literally would say, you're right, and then it wouldn't happen again. Like, so we, we actually found resolve all the time. There was a, There was a practicality about it. There was a kindness in him that I think is still there and, and I can't tell you how often I would go to him and say something and most of our conversations by the way weren't confrontation most of them were like we've got a student who needs a scholarship can we help the student stay around and he always would step into that or or hey we're trying to figure out what's this about this guest and so in that relationship there was definitely moments when I was going straight to him and maybe somebody was saying why aren't you out loud about it because that's just not how I use social media personally and also I had access to go to that person but I'm just being honest to say, I look back and I think um, I should have stood in front of everybody at convocation and I should have been out loud for Chief Hinckley at that moment. By the way, I told him that two Sundays ago at Thomas Road again. I said, God's just really brought that up. He was like, give me a hug. Like, it's okay, buddy, you know. And then, uh, he's so gracious, and then um, I, owe, I owe Donald, I owe Thomas on my staff that I should have stood up louder for them you know, um, I should have said, you know what? Like, they have a legitimate reason that they're walking away, and it's not okay with me. And I wish I could go back and um, st- 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 vocalize that, you know. But I didn't, you know. And so, yeah, that's, that's at least two things. And I, and I think as we as we all look from it and we learn from it, um, there'll be probably more things I need to repent of.
1: Okay, the body language, uh, the hesitation, the unwillingness to say Jerry Falwell's name. Um, the, the, the focus on himself. I mean, he, right after this, he keeps talking about himself and then he taught, he talks about how, uh, you know, he, he doesn't believe in focusing on himself. So just, it was interesting, but he, the, the, all those things tell you something. He's nervous. He's nervous. And he knows what I said at the beginning of this video, that there are students who are wondering, so you were close with Jerry Falwell and somewhat of a, sp- Spiritual mentor to us and to him. So you know, what where's the give? Why why didn't you I mean you should have known him well enough to know you heard the same rumors I think we heard, right? Uh, did you confront him? What what and, and he doesn't answer all that. He tells you instead, what he does is he um he tells you about things that he can't change at this point, things uh that and and honestly, interesting things like he should have supported the uh, the, the black uh, staff members who walked out. Like, um, I, I, I'm not. I'm going to kind of sidestep that whole issue just because uh, it's not it's not worth it for me to uh, to analyze that. It would take me a little too long. But I, I just challenge you to think about this on the on the moral scale what is more serious, the personal failures of Jerry Falwell or that situation? I mean, that situation plays to the woke crowd, but what, I mean, the moral failures of of Jerry Falwell are what the students are wondering whether David Nasser knew about and whether he confronted or tried to guide Jerry Falwell in any kind of way. And they don't have answers to those things. Uh, and and Nasser is visibly nervous because he knows his association. He knows, that on some level, he uh, he covered for Falwell, or to put it maybe in a different way, because maybe he, he wouldn't want me to, to put it that way. Uh, at the very least, uh, he failed to stand up to Falwell. And, and that's how he's trying to portray himself. Um, but it's, it's, it's an apology. It's, it's a repentance. But it's not. W- w- there's something about it. There's something about it that's off. Uh, you know in a, in a, a normal re- repentance your real genuine repentance a sorrow uh, that you would have is is just such a sorrow over sin and the fact that it offends god and 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 there's just there's no defense of yourself it's just you know this is i this is what i did before the lord and i'm guilty before him and you know the you know I, i'm so thankful for Jesus christ and the fact that he's forgiven me but I need to apologize to you because I've wronged you as well, and I hope you can forgive me. And, um, and you know, I just, we, we pray for Jerry Falwell. Name him by name. We pray for him because uh, it's a warning to all of us uh, about sin. And, yeah, it is. It, 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 I'm enraged that he would do this, not because it offends you all and it offends me, but more so because it offends the Lord and he is supposed to represent the Lord. And I mean, this, this kind of apology is so, it's so focused on David Nasser. It's a justifying apology is what it is. That's what, that's how it comes across. So, um, he's nervous and he, as far as I can tell, that's, if you wanted to identify one figure on campus who seems to be uh, giving any kind of cover for the social justice movement it right now would be David Nasser and um, and it sounds like he, he knows he, he knows on some level there's a mistrust of him or uh, th- there may be things coming out about him and and he wants to get ahead of that um, his days may be numbered, I don't know. I'm not saying that in any official capacity. I haven't heard anything from anyone telling me, oh, we, we got dirt on David Nassar, we're gonna get rid of him. And I'm not saying to hope for that. Um, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that you know, those are the actions of someone who uh, does not sound confident in their position. And so here's what I wanna ask you to do. Um, please pray for Liberty University. Uh, and I mean really pray for Liberty University. Pray that the Lord would raise up leaders, real men, real leaders, um, real women, even who are professors there, uh, and and um, but 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 specifically men uh, in the administration who can lead this university and exemplify a true godly character, because that has not been around for years now, and and it needs to to be reinstituted. Um Pray, pray for, I don't even know what to say about David Nasser. I don't like I said, I'm watching his videos, I'm like, how did this guy get to the position he's in? I don't even know if he should be doing what he's doing, uh, regardless of the social justice stuff, but, um, you know, I, I have no ill will towards the guy, uh, but, but I just would pray, honestly, this is how I would pray, I just pray that the Lord would raise up someone to really spiritually lead the students, whatever that means, because they need it, they need real spiritual leaders. Um, I, I'm familiar enough with Lynchburg to know that it is Bible Belt. You'd think there'd be all these great churches around. It's not like that. Uh, it, there, there's there's a whole lot of churches, yes. How many of them are really solid, uh, Berean, doctrinally sound, um, you know, uh, just good, solid churches where the people love the Lord, they're humble, they're, they're for serving Him, for, they're for the kingdom. They're, it, it's... know there's not a long list so um, my encouragement would be just just to pray for this university it's a big ship it's an expensive ship and and in the past there's been some very good things we can say about Liberty University it's flawed just like every any human institution but it's been a good counterweight uh, to the social justice movement and um, and and we'd like to see it continue to be that so that's my update Um, that's somewhat of an encouraging ending, I guess. Uh, I, I would just exercise discernment if you're thinking of sending your kids there. Uh, if you're a parent and if you're a student looking at places to go, I would exercise discernment. Like I've always said, I think the history department there for the most part has been excellent. The professors that I knew there uh, were very good top-notch uh, professors. I can't speak for every department, um, but there, there are still some, some very uh, good people Doing good work at Liberty University in various areas, and so uh, it's not a foregone conclusion and a lost cause. At least at this point, it may become that way. Uh, I, I don't know, but but uh, it, it hasn't been that long that the social justice movement has been progressing, and 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 yes, it's aggressive, like any aggressive cancer, um, but it doesn't it doesn't have to continue. So. Um, I appreciate you listening, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll get at least one or two uh, more podcasts out by the end of the week. We'll see. Um, I, I, that's not a guarantee. I, I'm not sure exactly what'll happen. Got a lot going on, but thank you for your prayers, and God bless you all until next time.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels.